Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. You know, the exciting thing about this show is that I've gotten to find all sorts of interesting people to share with our listeners and our Jew in the City followers at large. Um, but sometimes I also get to share people that I knew already that have been in my orbit and in my life for um, some time. And uh, this woman today is no exception. Um, she really is the epitome of an Orthodox Jewish all-star. She was one of our all-stars a few years ago uh, when she was nominated, and we found out that the daughter of really um, someone you know who has a fashion empire um, and grow up with all that, all the stuff that so many people think so many young girls sort of look to and admire and dream about, that she had all that. Um, that she found Torah and incorporated that into her life, and now she's building her own fashion empire. It's really everything that um, we stand for here at Jew in the City. Um, you know, sort of that cool factor, that hip factor, um, but that that's sort of the beginning part to start listening, and then once you're listening to hear really about the values and the connections to um, the, the spiritual side. And this is exactly what Joyce Azria, um, formerly the creative director of BCB Gen Generation and now the uh, CEO of Avec Lefi, is with us this morning. Joyce, thank you so much for joining us. Allison, congratulations, congratulations on being able to say Avec Lefi so beautifully. <laughs> so first of all, I thank you for I having us. Yeah, no, so um, the truth is that the reason that I can speak Francais uh, très bien is because when I was a little girl, I dreamed of going to Paris and, you know, being a model or doing something in, you know, the Paris fashion scene. And so when I had a choice to learn Spanish or French going into seventh grade, I thought, well, of course, I'll learn French because that will be sort of the beginning of my, you know, road to uh, uh, fashion and Parisian fame. So that never happened. But I feel like... <laughs> I just say all this stuff out loud, stuff that people might be embarrassed about. But I feel like sort of that um, romantic uh, ideal or sort of dream that so many little girls grow up with, you embody that. Your mission has that. But then behind it um, is all of this spirituality and meaning, which I think often the world of fashion is lacking. So, lady, you are the total package. So tell us to start with, what was it like growing up in a fashion empire? You are the daughter, or one of the daughters, he has a few, of... Um, Max Azria, you started off in Paris, um, and you grew up with in a pretty different world than most of us. So if you could share with us a little bit what that's like. Sure, absolutely. It's actually very funny because I was interviewed this morning um, for a magazine, and the question they asked me was more in report to the apparel that I'm making right now with Avec Lefi. And they said, it has such a strong DNA, such a strong point of view. Where does that come from? And I guess my answer to that question was very similar to the answer that I'm going to give you now, which is um, I think my parents left Paris with the American dream of really being able to go create a company, move their family forward, being, be part of this evolved thinking that is America. Um, and at the same time, they brought their roots with them, right? It was... Um, so, so, so partially infused in the DNA of this new brand of Ecclesi that I'm doing is exactly that. It's my childhood, it's my upbringing, it's my roots, it's equal parts uh, Tunisian mint nana tea, it's equal parts of Parisian fashion and my mom's pearls and amazing trunks and amazing clothes and ability to style things in a certain way. And then one part... Um, American spirit, which is just not taking yourself so seriously, casual expression through fashion, um, 
as 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 an expression of, of who you are. And I think all of those things um, ultimately led me to this experience here. But growing up in in a fashion family. Um, Maybe it's not typical to what somebody would think my life was like growing up because we saw so much of the struggle, right? So not only did we do something, um, uh, you know, amazing or my my father really led, uh, had the blessing to be able to lead um, to this amazing place uh, in the fashion world, but, you know, really incorporating who we were. And I think that that made a personal touch and a personal connection with everybody from magazines to key executives. Everybody knew that on Friday night my dad was making Kiddush at home, and everybody knew that, you know, from Katy Perry to, um, I mean, every big actor probably came and sat at my dad's Shabbos table at one point. Uh, it was kind of a rock and roll Shabbos, but nonetheless, it was a very Sephardi, very traditional um, Kiddush and Mutzi, and, and really, really like a beautiful, beautiful um connection to to where we were and I think you know growing up there was definitely some time for me when we transitioned and I went into my teenage years where I definitely was uh you know sitting on some yacht in Saint-Tropez and doing crazy things and attending amazing events and really doing things that my, my other teenage friends weren't doing um but at the same time there was always this kind of bookends of who we are where we came from etc and I mean that is like Definitely um, one of my guiding lights, and I was uh, blessed to be able to really come to to a life of Torah um, in my 20s and really take on, um, you know, making tshuva and really taking it a step further because as, a, as, as I saw our family really shift into some more success um, and I saw a lot of people close to me who had made a transition into success and not successfully, you know, they had really... Um, broken marriages or broken um, families and values, it made me, in the other direction, want to cling on to who I was even more um, and where I came from even more. And so um, so I was blessed to be, you know, uh, very affected in a, in a positive way um, with with my parents' success and, and really, really take it, and, and, and take the um, material part of it and be able to elevate it to something spiritual later on in my life. Beautiful. So your parents were generous enough to open up their home to Jew in the City a few years ago uh, with a pre-party yeah. All-Star <laughs> Awards in L.A. So I got to visit there, um, and I got to meet your father, who's really larger than life. I got a tour of their incredible um, home. Can you tell us some lessons that you learned from your father about fashion, about leadership, and about Judaism? Any any of those topics that um, he had any lasting lessons uh, that he passed on to you? Um, I think some poignant uh, things maybe in my career um, were, I think that when you're running a business, um, especially in re- you tend to um, have to oversee many things, right? Marketing, retail, what your store looks like, what your people are like, um, the employees that you hire. There's so many components, and I think a lot of times um, people aren't prepared for the amount of distraction to the end goal, which is making fashion, which is making clothes. Um, and I think that he always re frame things up that if the product was good, you'd have a successful business. So the focus on the key revenue driver in your business, I think, is always important, and I think that that's a lesson that he always stuck on me. Um, And, in fact, um, uh, 
uh, I was on Fox last night, and, and they asked me to pick my favorite piece from my collection. And, and I said, like, when I look at every piece, and it really came from my dad, that, like, I'm really proud of everything that I make. And now, whether the store is perfect or the people are perfect or whatever, you know, it comes down to one single, um, one single view, which is, is the product at the best that it can be? Are you giving the best value to the consumer? Are you giving them something that's inspired? Are you giving them something that fits well? And the technical aspects behind that. So that's kind of one of the key lessons. Um, In terms of Judaism, um, I would say that it's not something he said. It was something he did. Um, I think that um, it was very impressive to me that while he was building this empire, um, and in China one week and in Morocco in another and developing something here and going somewhere there or for a meeting or whatever. He was traveling all the time and um, never missed being home on a Friday night. So I think that action for me was like you can fly around the world and hold on to the tail of a, of a kite and take it anywhere or take it as high up as you want, but there's always a time to kind of cut the cord and mm-hmm. sink your feet back to, to where you start. Um, and so I think that's like, you know, one of the actions that, you know, significantly impacted who I am and, and continues to, um, kind of daily. Love it. Um, and so that sort of, uh, leads, segues nicely into my next question, which is about your Jewish background growing up. So you always had these, uh, weekly Shabbat dinners. What about holidays or, um, any amount of Jewish education? Kind of what did it look like? I guess maybe, you know, year by year or life cycle events growing up as a, yeah. a Jew in Israel. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so, so I didn't grow up in a Jewish school. I grew up in public school system. Um, we shifted around schools probably every single year. Um, mm-hmm. So as a young child, I think kind of bouncing from one place to another um, really um, was if you look at it like in a lifetime as a child, it's probably not the best thing you want to do with your kids <laughs> is toss them from school to school. But again, this kind of um, this kind of anchor that we had in Shabbos was an amazing, just an amazing thing to be able to pull back to. And and you know we we did. I have to say, a lot of it was makeshift and a lot of it was makeup because um, the truth was my parents divorced at a very young age, um, and so there was no real. Um, Jewish mama in the house. Um, my stepmom and my parent, my dad got married li- a little later, but she came from a different upbringing. And um, so Shabbos was a staple. But you know, Yom, K- Yom Kippur, it's like we didn't really know what time it came in or kind of came out, and and we just sat at home, watched TV, and ate and didn't eat. You know, <laughs> and yeah, some yeah. of us drank. And you know, um, so for the Hagim, I think it, it unraveled a little bit more as mm-hmm. I got a little bit older. I would set up menus or print out the Parsha of the Week. Um, yeah. Chabad was an amazing outlet for me um, to be able to connect and learn and be inspired. And I met a lot of um, great Rebbeim as I got into my teenage years and, and you know, d- did our first Seder properly. Um, and so things like that. And I think that um, that was you know, as I grew, as the eldest of five sisters, I have one elder, older brother, but um, I was the eldest of five in a Sephardi family, which means basically, hope you have big shoulders because everything kind of falls on on the eldest daughter. Um, but, um, you know, as I grew up, so did we grow as a family, I think, into mm-hmm. the spirituality and into the um, beautiful rituals that are um, the cornerstone of our, you know, of our religion. I'm really able to express myself creatively through it. Um, you know, I would make a beautiful Pesach. I would make sure that our sukkah was gorgeous. And, and just really be able to um, 
share and inspire others. And because my father always had this kind of open-door approach, it was kind of a stage for me to be able to share who I was, share who we were as a people, um, and really open people up and, and really get to know people on a different level than I think that a lot of people, you know, you know, a lot of people get to the surface, um, and we really, as a family, were able to engage people and inspire them, you know, to better themselves or to um, come closer to their faith or our faith or, you know, um, and it was just beautiful. Love it. So you were kind of already in a certain amount of shlichut uh, before you became observant yourself, but so what was, when and what was the transition from sort of traditional Sephardic to um, a life really committed to halacha um, and really, you know, you have this very busy schedule, career, family, but I, I know that, you know, the foundation of it all is a life of Torah and mitzvah. So when did it go from more kind of fitting it in as it worked to um, making this more serious commitment? Right. So it was in my mid-20s. I was going through a very difficult um, life experience, a life, you know, part of my life, I would say, um, <clears throat> and really struggling. And my best friend in the world introduced me to a great Rav and um, <clears throat> said to me, you know, Joyce, being around with all these Hollywood people, you go to breathing classes and shamans and, you know, see all these people and you're so open to learning about things and growing and you've always been into Judaism and maybe maybe you'd arrive with, with some of these questions that you have or unanswered things or open boxes, you know, that you have um, inside of yourself. And I thought it made sense, so I went to see a, a rabbi and he shared with me a story um, about myself and he basically... Um, listened for a long time, and when he when I was done talking, he looked at me and he said, so basically, in everything you've said, your loss of perspective on certain things makes, your loss of perspective on certain things makes it so that it is difficult for you to be able to assess a situation properly because you are always fully engaged in every part of your life. You're always the best at work and the best mom and the best wife and the, and, and, the, and the best friend and the person who shows up and the person people can fall back on. And, and you're always doing, but you can't ever get far enough from anything to be able to look and say, oh, maybe this relationship takes too much energy. Or maybe I don't have to be perfect at this. I could be perfect at that. Or maybe I should not focus on this and focus on this. So when I was, you know, doing those things, um, I really... Um, would lose my perspective on things. And so it, was, it happened to be that I got to have an amazing talk with this rabbi, um, and, and, and the beauty of it is he brought up to me a solution. And he said to me, the solution for you is Shabbos. Mm. And I was like, okay. You know, I had tried everything. I'd walked in Malibu among, uh, you know, in a snake pit because I wanted to conquer my fears. And I had done breathing classes and I had gone to therapists. And I had, you know, I had just so much in me and so many questions, but I knew I had so much potential. Um, and he basically said to me, try two in a row. You don't have to keep kosher and you don't have to wear it to me as clothes yet. All you have to do is, you know, do the simple simple, simple thing of, of, of keeping two Shabbats in a row, and you'll see if you can see more clearly. Um, and so I committed to him that I would. I did. Um, I did, and I never broke a Shabbos after that. So in that commitment to myself to take a day away from 
being, uh, from actively being and just existing, um, to stop go go going and to just just listen. Um, I think that my life um, was forever changed. And so then began my conversations with Hashem saying, well, if that worked, then maybe let me see what brachas come from me trying to wear a longer skirt. Or let me see how it feels if I stop going on kosher restaurants uh, and not just do the kosher choice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and those were the conversations. And, and every time, um, you, know, you know, they say, like, you can teach somebody something, but when you're in it and you're actually doing it, you can't have the same. It's like saying, do you like sushi? And you saying, oh, well, I've never tried it, but I don't like it. But, okay, you let's try it, and if you try it, then you can say you don't like it, right? Because you know what it feels like in your mouth, and you know what it tastes like, and et cetera. And I think that that's really the key to Judaism, is don't think that you can't do it and see what comes from it. And if you really do it with the intention of really having an open mind and an open heart, you do it, and something unbelievable happens. Love it. Yeah, we actually once made a video where we took the book green eggs and ham and the character has already decided he doesn't like it and we switched we swapped in torah and prayer and shabbos and i'm the character trying to convince the other one to just give it a try and then you can decide so i i hear you sister exactly uh exactly and that's exactly and and really really that's exactly it it's really just you know in life sometimes uh you learn this growing up or as an adult is you have to jump it's like when it's the right time and the opportunity presents itself, you cannot not take it. Um, and for me with Judaism, it's you have to, you have to, it, it's brave. It's brave to try something with an open heart. It's bravery to explore. It's bravery to try and understand yourself, you know? Totally. So, okay, so you took on Shabbos, this really bettered your life, um, and then you worked your way up your father's company, I think, uh, out of, you, you told us in the All-Stars video that he kind of promoted you to run BCBG Generation, so you're right. keeping Shabbos, and you're, um, you know, running this big company, and how did those Right, and I'm not going to say, Allison, I'm not going to say there weren't headwinds there, because, of course, when God gives you a gift, he gives you, you know, some tests around the way to make sure that you can, that you're up for it, um, and definitely there were comments and, well, if she becomes religious, then can she resonate with the consumer? Or if she blah, 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 then can she this? But what everybody didn't understand was that when you can take yourself away from something, you take away the ego, you take away your preconceived motions, notions, you, you break the rules, you can analyze things with complete clarity. And so during the time that I began to make the shift over to Shabbos, I became a stronger executive. I became a better creative director. I became more attuned to fashion. I understood, and it wasn't about my personal taste. It was about the DNA that I was executing on. So I could identify closer with my consumer. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, So it really gave me the push. And what about, you know, it was in the company, I guess, they sort of saw you making changes. How did that go when you would have meetings with some of the big, uh, you know, other vendors or other companies that you partnered with? Did you have to introduce these concepts of kosher or Shabbos to them? Or had they sort of heard about it because there's other observant Jews in the industry? Or do you feel like you were trailblazing in some ways? Um, I think that when other executives looked at me, and this is completely um, one of the most, 
authentic experiences I've had in my adult career was when I went to see one major, major executive of a, of a major account. And for the first time, I hadn't seen them in two or three years, for the first time, they looked at me with a completely different admiration, um, respect. Uh, you know, it, 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 it almost felt like three years ago I had met him and he looked at me as a younger girl with great ideas who loved fashion and he loved my outfit uh, and loved what I had to say, but I don't know if I want to do business with you. Uh, three years later, I come back as an Orthodox Jewish woman, confident and certain in my words, um, and in my demeanor and in my actions and, and in who I am and in, 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 in where, you know, where things land around me and who I attract, et cetera. And I could sit in front of him and he looked at me like I was on his level, um, mm-hmm. and looked at me like, oh, this is a woman of honor. This is a woman of values. I will place my trust in her because I trust her that she knows herself well enough and has um, boundaries, and she has, um, you know, something bigger above her. Um, and we were able to make an extraordinary deal. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that it, had I been the same person, had I tried him with my clothes or, or win him with my, you know, with, uh, you know, whatever, you know, tools, tools or tricks in my bag, I don't think I could have done it. I think that there comes a place, especially when you have really toiled in your career to advance and, you know, be an executive or be kind of, you know, you've had the choice to make it to a certain level in your career, um, you've gotten there with, you know, through your hard work, through your morals, through your values, through um, through really making partnerships with people before you've considered the business um, and really relied on people. And I think that when you come in as an Orthodox Jewish woman, for me, um, it has been life-changing, it's been relationship-changing, it's been a complete um, catapult in my in my career um, as a businesswoman, um, and I just, you are on a completely different, I think you're, you're held with a completely different regard. It's a shame this is radio, because I'm just nodding my head the whole time while you're speaking. This is great stuff, Joyce. <laughs> um, we've got about five minutes left, and I need to ask you about modesty and fashion. I grew up thinking, or really only sort of noticing the orthodox women that were less fashionable, that sort of more had the frumpy look, and only later did I discover that all the fashionable ones were just kind of blending with their extra fabric. So how do you balance modesty and fashion? Any tips for our eager listeners there who you know might want to try to improve or have some new insights in this area? Um, you know, for me, some of the most iconic people in fashion have been innately modest. If you look at um, the Kennedy family, if you look at royalty, if you look at Olivia Palmero, if you look at... Um, um, who's somebody else I can think of? Hey, Audrey Hepburn, iconic fashion stars. Now they weren't um, modest, maybe by, by by Judaism, but they were modest by their character. Um, they were modest um, in their um, in the way that they dealt or in the way that they dressed. They define uh, they, they 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 blast through time, and they're always fresh and they're always relevant. And when I see people who say to me, oh, well, how could you be modest? You know, some of those religious girls look so schlumpy and dumpy. I'm like, they'd look like that if they weren't religious. It has nothing to do <laughs> with, with, you know, religion. I think that most people 
um, who meet me for the first time have no idea that I'm modest. They say, oh, she always looks put together. She looks classy. She looks chic. Um, I think when they learn that modesty is who I am and modesty is the way, <laughs> the, the, the way I go, um, then they, you know, people will always comment, wow, your hair is amazing. They have no idea it's a shaitel. Or they'll say to me, I've had this comment before, it's amazing that you're orthodox and it's amazing that you wear modest clothing, but it's also cool that you don't wear a wig because then, like, you know, you're, like, more approachable. You don't look, like, strange or... And they say it to me point blank in my face while I'm wearing a wig. So it's, it's that if you really want to make something beautiful, you can make something beautiful. If you love a trend, you can still do it if you're Tzniyas. You have to be creative. Um, and, and for me, that's not an obstacle. That's exciting. So it, it's all about perception. And I, and I go to speak to high school girls all the time. And they think they know better, and they think that they know about fashion, and they've never been to a runway show, and they don't know what the fashion industry is like, and they have no idea. And they come with this, it's so hard to be modest, and it's so not modern, and they try and break the rules this way and break the rules that way. And I see it, and I, I, I see it as just, um, you know, like um, they're so... They, they have so much struggle in so many other areas, but they're, they'll channel it to fashion. I don't want to wear open toe. I want to wear open toe shoes, and I don't want to wear a shaito when I get married, and I don't want to be modest, and it's hard, and I'm hot, and and uh, and they are not looking to to make a kedusha shem. They are not looking to be valued for what's inside. They're looking to be valued and base, you know, and 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 really look like everybody else. Um, and so for me. I look at it with ease. I look at it like I love it. I love it. People respect me. I feel beautiful. I pre- feel protected. I feel I, I've felt in situations safe. I've walked out of you know evening events for fashion for the fashion business in in you know areas that weren't great, and I'd wa- you know walk down the street with somebody who's very known in fashion in a mini skirt, and I'm looking classic and 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 tailored and polished, and I feel safer. You know, I, I feel, um, and I feel like my beauty comes from the inside and isn't worn on my sleeve. And the um, bit I see that it's such a challenge. It's such a challenge because it's all, all it's almost like a, you lose at the beginning. It's like a Shem says, beats me is, and, and his daughter looks at him and says, I won't be. It's like you, you don't even, if, 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 if you want to fight it, there's all the excuses in the world. It's like not keeping kosher. If you don't want it, if you don't even want to try, if your heart's not open to it, you've lost at the beginning, right? Because there's all these better restaurants that aren't kosher and, and more healthier choices and organic and grass-fed. And there's, and there's so, oh, but it's, you know, geographically so difficult. It's not. Um, the, the truth of it is, do you want to put the effort there or not? Are you willing to be creative? Are you willing to approach it with a smile and excitement towards the mitzvah? And if you're not, then then there's no persuading. You know, um, for me, I put on a shaitel, and I feel like every morning I'm, like, crowning myself as a queen. I feel like I, you know, uh, put on pantyhose, and I feel like I'm, I'm being modest, and my daughters will look at me and say, she's my mom is upright and, and, and righteous, and I want to feel the same way when I grow up. And, you know, these are, these are the important things to me. And so I wear my clothes like more of a badge of, you know, my modesty is more like a badge of who I am. And, um, 
and and allows people kind of this blank canvas where they don't have to stare at my skirt that's too short or or something provocative that they can you know look into my soul or look at my eyes and 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 have a frank conversation with me and they get to know me in a different way um, and so but if you look at you know it's it's about the desire and the will to be fashionable and beautiful and interweave one of the most beautiful values as a woman is modesty and so you know cheers to the women who have the confidence and the excitement and fervor to meet that mitzvah with excitement and um i feel a lot of sadness for people who have no um desire to even begin uh or try you know um so, and I've just, uh, we're just about out of time now, um, but I want to just let people know. So if they want to uh, check out your new line, Avec Les Fee, they can find it? Absolutely. So we're available um, with the apparel collection in 155 Macy's across the country. Amazing. Our um, footwear collection is available everywhere from Lord & Taylor to um, Macy's to Revolve.com. Um, and uh, we're also available on our site, com. Awesome. It was so lovely to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time out of your very, very busy schedule, and uh, we'll Thank speak soon. Thank you so much. And I you really can find appreciate us- it. Thank you, Allison. Thank you for the time. Yeah, sure. You can find us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.